You're listening to The Journey Podcast. This is a special training episode where we talk about discipleship and how we can take Jesus outside of the building. We hope you enjoy. How many of you were at the, um, at the venue this morning, heard, heard the sermon? Yeah? So what Hayes covered this morning is, is the question of, are we, suppo- are we responsible for sharing the gospel? Um, and, and why? Um, I'm counting on those that are in here not needing that sermon as much as everyone, but every single one of us needs that sermon, right? Amen? And so what I wanna ask is what do you think are the major hurdles that prevent us from sharing the gospel? I'm gonna go ahead and go out on a limb here and say that probably not anyone, maybe one to 2% of us share the gospel on a regular basis. Not saying that in a condemning way. Um, I'm probably in that percentage in this season of my life, and I admit that. Um, I think it keeps me humble, so I'll say that to you. What do you think are some hurdles? Go out there. What are some hurdles and pre- that prevent you, that keep you from sharing the gospel? Being judged. Okay, I think I know what you mean, but can you expand on that? Because that may be like really affirming for some other people. Gotcha. Who are, who are you to talk about Jesus to me? <laughs> yeah. You think you're better than me? Yeah. No, I'm just joking. Don't say that. <laughs> I got Jesus, bro. What do you want me to say? No, I'm just joking. No, what, what are some other reasons? Being busy. It's true, right? We do use that excuse. Somebody else. Fear of rejection. Oh, man. Isn't that hard? Have you ever met anyone who said, I like rejection? Then if, if you do, tell them you don't wanna be their friend. They'll like it, right? Um, so don't be the friend. No, isn't that crazy, though? No one likes rejection, right? So what that means is that probably all of us, to some extent, are on the same page. Right, with that, we all in our minds are thinking, are they gonna reject me? What are they, Andrea? When you share the gospel with someone and they reject you, what are they actually rejecting? Right, that's right. But it's still powerful, right? That feeling of, it's you too, yeah. This is good, what, what are some more things? I think there are a lot of reasons. I don't know enough. Nice. Oh, that's so hard. You start, you start off sharing and like, oh, yeah, I already know that. You know, and you're like, I don't think you do. It's, you know, right? Yeah. And I don't know enough. Who in this room honestly believes that they don't know enough to be able to articulate some sort of gospel conversation with someone? Kind of, yeah, some. That's fair, some. Most of us, like Hayes said this morning, are pretty equipped for it, right? We have all the, I mean, there's probably a thousand books on like Amazon about something about how to share the gospel. May not all be good, but they're out there. What are some more reasons? COVID? Was that Nick? Gotcha. You could. You can hear that. 
not thinking it's your job. Oh, man. That's like the pastor's job, right? Who's, okay, go along with this. This may be self-affirmed too. Not thinking it's your job. Whose job is it? You know what I mean? Like if, if in, that, in that thinking, that kind of objection that, that, that uh, Hayes used this morning, like it's not my job. I wonder whose job we put that on. Whose shoulders do we put that on? Who do you think? People that have a title. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's good. We kind of, it's tempting, right? Like, oh, I'm being efficient. I'm gonna delegate that task, right? Like, we're, we're gonna be efficient here. Like, there are people that are, yeah, I got you. Yeah, it's, it's very true, very true. Everything else said I relate to, by the way. Anybody else? I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert, yep. Seth, you're not an introvert. <laughs> Everybody here knows who Seth is by virtue. He's not an introvert. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I, I feel that. I think Caitlin and I uh, lean a little bit um, in, introverted. I kind of like, because of my job, have a switch to kind of turn on. But um, extroverts literally like get filled up with energy by being around a bunch of people. Although I enjoy that. By the end of like Tuesday night gathering, like, I, like I'm done. <laughs> like I sleep like a baby. Um, Eleanor doesn't sleep like a baby. She doesn't sleep too well yet, but someday she will. Um, so I, I relate to that. It's, there's sometimes an inclination in me to be like, oh yeah, just not my personality. I'll give one more. So I, I think all of these reasons y'all listed, all of them are valid like in the sense of that's actually not valid, it qualifies you to not share the gospel. But they're all things that are real. Um, you probably had multiple things said via those answers that were like, yep, that resonates with me. And so if all of those reasons are real and they, they, they are hurdles, man, that, that one that sticks out the most, or maybe just the idea um, is the fear thing, right? Um, and I just think about, um, by raise of hand, do you feel like, raise your hand if you think just about every Christian feels the way we've just expressed just now. I, I do. And so what that means is that there is a world population of Christians. I can't speak for every, every nation. Um, I can speak for like Chinese and Taiwanese Christians. Um, just from being around them so much, uh, same sort of thing. They, we went on the we went, we went out on the gospel. That's funny. We went out on a local college campus to share the gospel, and the dude I went with, he was he was older than me, and he was so nervous, um, you know, and and like he was like shaking, nervous, you know what I mean? And he's experienced his persecution, you know, as a Christian in China, and he was nervous to share the gospel. I was not expecting that. I was like, I'm gonna be the nervous one. Like, this dude's like, I'll go to jail for this, whatever. But even he was nervous. Okay, so if that's how literally, we're gonna say most Christians feel around the world, we are fearful in, in doing the exact thing that Jesus said to do before he went and ascended at the right hand of the Father. <laughs> We are, we are fearful of doing maybe the most important thing that we could be tasked with. I'm gonna say the most important thing we're tasked with is sharing the gospel, right? So what are we gonna do about that? That's why you're here, right? 
That's why you're here. So here's some things that I think what the hurdles are not, I don't think that you need specific formulas. I know that can be helpful. We're gonna talk about one of those later. I don't think that it's the amount of time that you have. I don't think it's your speaking ability. I don't think it's a matter of being introverted or extroverted. It's not solely the church's fault for not training you correctly. I think what it is, is it's having intentionality. I think it's that you are being deliberate and purposeful and making one of your life's missions and actually doing this and actually sharing the gospel. And so here's a quote I wanna share from you. We've had this in the journey for quite a while. It's not in stock currently, I don't think, over um, in the commons area. But this is called Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out. Evangelism, the way you were born to do it. I don't wanna read this for you. Um, it's, in, it's on page uh, 40, which you don't need to know that because you don't have a copy. Um, but it starts with this. Y'all listen to this. What if you could just talk about Jesus to others simply because you love him and you love them and you want to introduce them to him? What if we spent less time giving people scripted evangelistic presentations instead and instead simply learned to introduce Jesus into the normal conversations we already have? What if I told you that the gospel you received and the life God gave you are all you need to start having real, effective conversations with people about Jesus? A big reason we don't talk to unbelievers about Jesus, this is convicting, is because we don't talk to one another about Jesus. What if talking about Jesus were not awkward but became as normal as talking about other things we enjoy? Who's saying like, wow, how, if you're not talking about Jesus with other Christians, like when you're gathering, like just as friends, if it doesn't come up, I'm not saying you have to have a Bible study every time you gather, like go have fun, right? Like go have fun, legally fun, okay? But it, like if we're not having, a, you're like you know what I'm talking about, but if you're not having a pattern of that, even with your friends, the people that you know, why in the world would you do it with strangers? Like how, how is, that doesn't make any sense, Right? And so he's saying there's an intentionality. I think the biggest hurdle is getting the gospel from something that we just know about and that we believe in to something that we live out seamlessly so that gospel conversations are more natural. Y'all have read Knowing God, right? He talks about the concept of knowing about God and actually knowing God intimately. I think the problem is, is that we, the gospel is something we can kind of recite. We kind of know what it is theologically, systematically, but we're not walking in it. We're not experiencing it daily. I think for me, when I have a low frequency of the gospel coming out of my mouth for evangelistic purposes this season of my life, it is symptomatic of us not, or me, not being intentional and not being deliberate and, and actually thinking through the ramifications of what the gospel means. In other words, asking this question, if the gospel is true, which it is, then what does that mean for my life? Is that a fair question? If it's true, which it is, what does that mean for us? How should that flush out into other things? By the way, y'all have your workbooks, or most of you, there is a note section that you can use 
for this in the, in the workbook. What I'm gonna encourage you to do when we get to the, the functional or practical part of the training is to, you're gonna have it in your mind, um, but this isn't part of it. When I start writing what we're gonna do, the three circles, I would just take a picture of your phone before, with it, uh, before you leave, okay? Does that make sense? And so you can use that note page. It's only two pages. I know many of us need more. Um, but I would just, as I'm talking, maybe only write down the like, really important things or things that stick out and not kind of a manuscript note taker. I'm kind of guilty of that. Um, Hayes is preaching. I'm like, it's like everything. And so anyway, how to overcome the hurdle. My first recommendation is, and this would be something you may wanna write down, how do we overcome this hurdle? I think for, what, for us, we have to remember the gospel and actually preach the gospel to ourselves. You think about that? You are the most comfortable person that will ever exist in, in, in being able to hear yourself speak, right? You, I don't know if any of you talk out loud. I talk out loud all the time. You, you can examine me psychologically if you want, but for now, like I do. Like I, I verbalize things out loud. There's times where like I'm doing that and I don't realize Caitlin just walked up and then I start mumbling, like, oh, hey, what are you doing? Hey, how's it going? I talk to myself all the time, but here's, how, here's I think what this would look like. Let, let's get into the realness of life. That's, you know, we're so ethereal right now. Practice, practice this. What if... Man, you're waking up with anxiety, despair, worry, stress. Why, why am I doing that? Because my hope and peace are being found within myself or something that can't provide peace. So what do I do? I remind myself my identity as a redeemed child of God. I kind of will say this sometimes. I'll, I'll preach the gospel to myself. I'll say, Cole, you were once a rebellious sinner, an enemy of God. But God and his deep Grace and mercy pursued you in love. The Holy Spirit took your rebel heart of stone and replaced it with a softened heart of flesh. God drew you to himself. Cole, he showed you the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not to be something that's foolish or stupid like you used to think, but to be power in life. And go by grace, you've been saved. It's not of your own doing. Quit trying to... Quit trying to be a great journey pastor and think that means anything to me in terms of salvation, Cole. It doesn't. For you, quit trying to be the best student you can or the best boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever you're thinking. But Cole, it's, it's, it's by my grace, it's, it is a work of God so that no one can boast. Rest in my salvation, Cole. Walk in the Holy Spirit. The seal God has placed within you to remind you that you belong to him who has been given to you as a comforter, a counselor, an illuminator of God's word, and he will empower you to bear the fruit of a child of God. And then, and then I thank God for that. Does that make sense? You don't have to say it like that. That's a lot of the ways I articulate. I, I emphasize different things. That's what it is. Here's something else for you to write down. In this book, Sharing the Gospel Without Freaking Out, it says... Tim Chester and Steve Timmis offer a beautiful and encouraging summary of how to think about God and our relationship with God and others because of salvation. Here's what they say. This book is called Everyday Church, Gospel Communities on Mission. Think about this. Four kind of truths that resonate in your heart. God is great, so we don't have to be in control. God is great, so we don't have to be in control. We're all control freaks. 
God is sovereign. He has the power to save. God is glorious, so we don't have to fear others. We are all, at some level, people pleasers and struggle with the fear of man. Learning to please God alone is crucial to our spiritual growth. He is glorious. Fear him, not man. Third, God is good. So we don't have to look elsewhere. Temptation can be powerful, but when we sin, we are saying in that moment, we don't believe God is good enough. We're saying men, and women too, we're saying men, that pornography is better than God. When we sin, it's better. Yes, there's grace for that, but he is good. Saying girls to the gossip, compare yourself, what she's wearing, who she's dating. In that moment, what you're saying is the, the ideal that you think you should have, all the things that you should have, the beauty you think you should have, when you sin in that way and, and reject how God's created you, you're saying that image that I want is better than God's image on me. God is good. We don't have to look elsewhere. And lastly, God is gracious, so we don't have to prove ourselves. God is gracious, so we don't have to prove ourselves. We have been forgiven completely by the one that we have actually offended immensely. Enjoy the grace of God lavished on us through Christ. All right, I'm gonna say these one more time. God is great, so we don't have to be in control. God is glorious, so we don't have to fear others. God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere. God is gracious, so we don't have to prove ourselves. These are the type of things, guys, we're like, man, if you're not meditating on this, if the gospel isn't good news to you, if it's not life-changing, I just mentioned a, a, a huge sin that guys deal with, a huge sin that girls deal with. If the, the grace of Jesus Christ is not permeating those struggles that you have and, and giving you hope in your inner life, why would you offer something that's not giving you hope to someone else? You wouldn't. A half or maybe more than half of my illustrations on Tuesday night are about food, right? It just overflows in me. Like, I love good food, and so I end up talking about it. I hope that, like, good food, <laughs> my life would, rep, would be pouring out Jesus because of, a, of how much I, I love him. I know how much he loves me. Does that make sense? And so remember the gospel and preach it to yourself. I think it's also helpful, number two, to memorize gospel-oriented passages as a way to overcome this hurdle. You're gonna get a lot of that in your discipleship, but I think, for example, um, Romans 5.1, therefore, since you've been justified by faith, you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a great one. Colossians 1, 9 through 14, and so from the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Just goes on and on and on. A few little verses, little passages of memorized, gospel-oriented passages. Those wave of anxieties come in, Philippians 4. Think about these things. What is lovely, commendable, and pure? Do not be anxious about anything, right? But in everything, by what? Prayer and supplication. Give thanksgiving. Someone criticizes you, looks at you, even though you've done nothing wrong. God, man, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks where? The heart. Memorize gospel-oriented passages. Number three, be intentional about having gospel conversations with your Christian friends, right? 
And so there's a t- here's what's great. You, you kind of get an A on this one because you're in discipleship. I hope who you're in discipleship with become a friend to you <laughs> to at least some extent. And so on a weekly basis, you're kind of doing that. But I say commit for, to that for the long haul after discipleship's over. And even with other friends that you have, be intentional about having those conversations. And then number four, as you are doing this, what I want you guys to do is I want you to pray to God for what I'm gonna call your, your one. And so what your one is, is basically you're praying to God that in the near future, he will make it very clear to you one person who does not know the gospel, like very obvious unbeliever, one person that doesn't maybe completely shut you off when you start sharing, there's some semblance of recognition there that they may want to have that relationship to where you talk about spirituality and, and about Christ and be praying to God for that one person. Notice I didn't say 10 or 15 or even five, just for one person, all right? Hey, Cole, why, why just one? I can do more than one, okay? Name me one person in the past year that you've shared the gospel with and they've believed in the gospel. That's why I won. <laughs> because for most of us in this room, one is one more than we've had in the past year, right? And that's, that's okay. And so praying to God, man, God, I'm gonna do this discipleship. I'm gonna work on this. I'm gonna go out on campus. It may be someone that you meet that's brand new. You've never met them before and you get in this conversation. You, you have coffee, you share your story a little bit. You hear about their story and then bam, you know, hey God, that's my one. I'm gonna keep praying for them and praying for them, praying for their salvation until something indicates that they believe in the gospel or they tell me just blatantly they're not interested anymore. All right, y'all with me? Cool. I wanna give you two to three minutes at your table, and I want, it may not be everybody at the table, but at least if there's one person at your table that's had an experience of, of trying to share the gospel. It can be like a funny experience. It can be a good experience. It can be a bad experience, whatever. That's what I want you to do. I just want you to just share that real quick. Two to three minutes, just one person at your table. Um, so if you're the extrovert, this is your time to shine once again, all right? If, that, if that's who speaks first, that's great. Um, but two to three minutes, share about a time where you try to share the gospel. If none of you have that, Share about a time where someone shared it with you. And if you don't have that, then just sit there awkwardly for two to three minutes. I'm sorry. All right, one, two, three, go. All right. I got time for, I got time for one person to share if someone does. Story that you did. Again, it can be like a wholehearted, like, like positive story. Like, great, it doesn't have to be. Self, self-effacing. Okay, go for it, Chan. Can everybody hear her? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, maybe stand up and kind of like face out. Sorry. Sorry. You were, you were on a roll. That's awesome. Hey, thanks for sharing. I appreciate it. Thanks. Caitlin, am I making this up? Did somebody, when we went out to share the gospel and trying to evade us, run into a tree. Did I make that up? 
had some weird dreams. It could have been a dream. Let's pretend like that happened and just, yeah. What were you thinking about? We still don't know if they know it's Jesus. So just joking. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Some reason I have all these like sarcastic things I can't get out of my head. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> so as you've shared some positive things, um, man, like one like very just like, um, I guess shameless uh, benefit of sharing the gospel often, you will have lots of funny stories to share <laughs> like with your Christian friends. And so that's not a good motivation. I'm just saying you go out enough and do it. Like you have things you can then bond over. Like, man, this happened. Like she literally like didn't, she like walked away. Didn't even say bye. Like stuff like that. Anyway, here's something when we're sharing the gospel, I think is super important. And it's the concept of learning how to build a bridge into a natural conversation. What I'm gonna say, an authentic bridge, okay? And so here's an example of an inauthentic bridge, okay? It's Lubbock, Texas, and so barring the, the anomaly of weather that's been going on, um, in the summertime, or really when it's supposed to be spring, it's already hot, and so we go out on campus, let's say in April, and, and someone says, man, it's hot out here. And say, yeah, you think it's hot out here. You just wait. Hell's gonna be way hotter. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a good bridge, right? That's a terrible bridge. It's not authentic. And so uh, Caitlin and I knew a guy by the name of John Sharping, um, and he trained us in sharing the gospel. And he would have the funniest, most cheesiest bridges ever, but they would actually work. Like the dude probably, would you say it'd be fair to say he probably shared the gospel 20 or 30 times a week? Yeah, probably so. Yeah, it is, it is insane. Like, um, incredible example. Um, never, not consistently weekly done it that much. And so anyway, so building a bridge into a conversation. So here's an example of a good bridge. So not the, it's hot out here, it's hot in hell. Don't say that. Um, so we're, let's say we're going out on campus together, which, by the way, have an opportunity to do that tomorrow um, from two to four. Is that right, Katie? Cool. And Thursday, and you, and you can come out there that time if you want, and Thursday, really any time you want to with your group, but I will be there probably from like 12 to two-ish, and one of our staff should be there any time from 12 to four, so just keep that in mind. So we'll put that in the group meeting as well. Here's an example. We're out on campus. We're going out there. You're talking with somebody. You say, hey, like I'm, I'm on campus today, and honestly, I'm just hoping to be um, a blessing to the community of students while I'm here. Um, can I ask you just how I can pray for you today? I'm just very simple. You, you state clearly, you're not doing this like Jedi Christianity thing, like trying to play it all cool. Like you're just getting it right out of the gate. They don't have to, I mean, what, what's their agenda? What's their motive? You say, hey, I, I'm just wanting to be a, a blessing. Do they know all what a blessing entails? Like, maybe not. Did we know all the blessings that are found in Christ when someone first shared? No, we didn't. But that is true. We wanna be a blessing to our campuses or, or whatever. And so you say, I wanna be a blessing while I'm here today. Can I, can I ask God I can pray for you today? So there's, there's a bridge that gets kind of some things going in a spiritual direction. It's not inauthentic. You're saying exactly why you're there. Um, Man, I thought about this in my notes earlier. This morning, I was like, man, bring, uh, bridge COVID all day. Like, if there's one good thing, like, bridge COVID, use COVID as a bridge. So, like, you get in a conversation, it's like, man, like, our, 
our world is so broken. Like we're still like dealing with this. Like how have you been doing with all of this? Like there's been a lot of sickness. There's been a lot of, a lot of death. Like how, how are you dealing with this? Because I, I know I, I, I'm struggling with that sometimes. Does that make sense? That may be kind of a, a sex, second layer of the conversation. Um, and how do you deal, and just looking at the news and the polarization of our country and how do you deal with all of like the sin and evil that's going on out there? Like it's, it's hard. Like I don't even watch the news much anymore because of this. You see where I'm going with that? Like how, how are you dealing with that? Um, there's something, um, let me see. This is what happens when I edit my previous notes. So, okay, for a first year student, I mean, milk this all day, seriously. Like, hey, how, how is your, um, how's your first year going? Like, y'all are the COVID class, you know? Like, how, how is that going? How are you adjusting? Like, are, are there lots of things that you were excited about that not, not able to do? Like, um, how is that? How's, how's Lubbock for you? Like, I, I know, don't ask that, you know, right now. I'm just joking. You can ask that right now. But like, how, how is adjusting to that? What do you think about kind of the, the culture here in Lubbock? It's probably different from Dallas or Houston. Or it's definitely different, right? For those of you that are from those areas and from Austin. Here's, um, so here's some things that I wouldn't ask. Um, don't ask, um, so what church do you go to? Um, so what, what that question does, if it's very early on and you don't know if they're a Christian or not, um, and I know some of you have maybe even been taught to do this. Listen, we have been taught to do that by people mainly who don't know your generation, meet Generation Z, all right, this is this book, um, and who mainly are from generations where there were so many people that had a common idea that the Judeo-Christian values and, and moral structures were the right ones to have, that you could ask a question like that and it would be assumed that going to church is a good thing by the majority of people. Y'all tracking with me? So going to church was a good thing by the majority of people not too long ago. That is not true here. It may be true in Lubbock, Texas, but that's not your context on campuses for most of you. Um, LCU, I'm thinking Reese, probably so. I hope so. You know what I mean? But even, even there, some people are there for scholarships or whatever it may be. They're not there for, I'm not bashing them. They're not there for Jesus. They're there because LCU paid for them to go to school, you know, and that's great. But in your context, you've got people that are not from this kind of Christianese culture called West Texas, where there's literally a church on, I mean, literally every street corner. And so don't ask also, um, so to ask what church you go to, there's little reward if they have an answer, yet so much to lose if they don't go to church. It immediately isolates them if they're not a Christian and they're not going to church. It immediately gets that, someone said everyone thinks they're a Christian, you, you immediately get to that type of response and you're working backwards and you're trying to like, okay, we're gonna, you're basically starting over the conversation to get where you want to go. Um, do ask about where they came from. Ask about their families, their work, their, their hobbies, um, how they ended up here. Again, how do you like Lubbock? Favorite, what's your favorite coffee shop? Do you know the, the new Sugar Brown? Is this like right over there? Oh man, I'm in trouble. Like it's gonna be, it's so awesome. Um, are you involved in any student orgs? You can talk about that. Oh, and man, here's a really cool one. Like I, um, I almost, it was that moment where we were running out of time in the conversation, um, but somebody was like saying, I think they said that they were, 
um, and one of the explicit like African-American organizations. And I, I remember thinking like, okay, there's a lot going on in the topic of race right now. Like, how do I, can I, should I go about this? And the conversation ran out. But if I'd have had longer, eventually I, I would have probably just asked, like, how, what has your experience been with Christians and, and treatment toward the race there? Does that make sense? That's a really deep thing. I'm posturing myself humbly like, what, what has your experience been? Because I know via that organization that this guy was in, and this is something he cares about and puts a lot of identity in. Does that make sense? And so I'm, I'm trying to look for any bridge that I can to go a little bit deeper, get into some intentional conversations where I see their worldview revealed. I see what they care about revealed and I'm ready in just a minute. We'll talk about in the training how you can speak the gospel into that. Um, do listen and take note of things you can go back to. Um, so in, if you flip the page over in your training uh, book or your discipleship books, you'll see evangelism notes. You can put, it says name and number, right, Charlotte? This is name and number? Name and notes, okay. You, I would jot the number down too. Um, and you're just remembering some things that you talked about. And then guess what? There's your people to pray for. Guess what? Probably on that list of people is, is your one, I bet, <laughs> somewhere. Isn't that cool? So just take notes of people that you meet. When we're on campus, what we're hoping is, we're hoping, and the three circles will get to that. Um, that's a way we're gonna, I'm gonna encourage you to share the gospel. Um, we're hoping to get to that, but if you, um, if you don't, or regardless if you do or don't, what you're hoping for is some type of next meeting, right? Like next time you can meet for, for coffee or lunch or wherever. Just say, man, I'd like, love, to, love to hang out um, and, and get to know you a little better. There's this great coffee shop called Sugar Browns. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's off of Indiana and wherever it is now. Um, and then I'd love to, love to meet there, uh, treat you to some coffee, just talk. That's what you're wanting to get to. Um, and when you get to that, this is when you want to make sure, if you get to this part, that you share your story. And you need to do this, and you can share it via the three circles we're gonna talk about. Um, but here's how I would bridge that. Are y'all with me, by the way? It's a lot of information. Just wanna, just wanna give y'all a bunch of like, things you can use and just run with them. But here's what I would say. If I'm sitting in the conversation, I'd say, hey, we, we've been talking for a little bit, sharing a little bit about ourselves. Do you mind if I share something with you that's been life-changing for me? Um, or, hey, one of the things that is unique about me, um, I think, is, is my faith. Like, could I share a little bit about what that looks like with me? Like, how that, what that looks like in my life? Or, hey, I gotta be honest, I, I enjoy um, telling people about what God has done in, in my life. I, I think it may actually help you better understand like, who I am. And as I've gotten to listen about you, I'd, I'd love to share something about me. Does that make sense? It's totally authentic. It is a bridge, but it's not like, it's not cheesy. It's not like trying to scroll your way through to getting to the gospel. It's just honest. A basic idea, if you guys wanna know to share your story, you may wanna jot this down. You're gonna have to figure that out on your own. I don't know your story, but a great structure is keeping Christ at the center of it. Jesus is the center of your story. You're not the hero, Jesus is. And talking about your life before you met Jesus, um, talking about how you came to know Jesus and your life now, like since you've been. So 
Um, the whole like we're created by God, for God, we, we sinned against him, Jesus came to rescue us, I believed in him, now I'll talk about my life in Christ. Um, for those of you who've been, been here on Sunday and Tuesday, uh, you know what the gospel is. And so if they ask about your life, your family and background, that's a perfect place to share your faith. Um, the reason is because your relationship to Jesus is obviously the most important part of your life, right? <laughs> and so if they ask about your life, even though they don't know it, <laughs> they're asking for an invitation to reality, the reality of Jesus. Um, cool. So what time is 2.54. Um, how many of you have heard of this book, I Once Was Lost? I Once Was Lost. I'm gonna read some content from here and from here, and then it should be about three. We're gonna take a 10-minute break, and we're gonna come back, and we're gonna do three circles. Y'all game for that? Cool. And so... One of the things that this book called I Once Was Lost talks about is it talks about the five thresholds for unbelievers, the journey from being an unbeliever to a believer. And the, and the subtitle is what postmodern skeptics taught us about their path to Jesus. And so um, we are, we've been in postmodernism so long, for those of you that study sociology related to, to ethics and worldview, I think we're really even past postmodernism into something else um, but basically the idea is that the predominant way people see the world is not one through the lens of Christianity. And so it says that an unbeliever goes through these five thresholds. This may be something that you want um, to write down. Number one is trusting a Christian. Uh, uh, and, and, the, and the people that they talk to, I, I, I wanna say in their, in their data that they used, they're talking to hundreds, if not thousands of people who were a kind of skeptic, kind of more like um, atheist, or at least denying the truths of Christianity to believing in Jesus Christ, being a disciple. And so the first is they said, I had to trust a Christian. I had to, I had to trust that they weren't, didn't have an agenda. I had to trust that, um, they, that not all Christians were the, the type of people who do the things that you see on the news. You know what I'm talking about? Like the with, with a sign that, that says God hates gays. Right? Like that's, that's the perception that people get unless they meet a Christian and learn otherwise. And the second is they become curious. And so they trust a Christian, they become a friend, and then what begins to happen is they, they become curious because they're like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm going to the journey. It's my gathering. Oh, do you do that every Every Tuesday? Yeah, every Tuesday. Then after we have connect groups, okay, cool. And then they text you another day, hey, what are you doing? Hey, I'm having discipleship with uh, some of my friends. It's where we go through a book and pray and challenge, pray for each other. You get what I'm saying? And so they're like, huh, like, and then they're seeing you. None of our lives are perfect. All of us probably deal with some sort of emotional downs or emotional lows, but they're also like seeing your life. Like, Overall, their life looks better than mine when I look at it as a whole. And so they become curious at your life and what you're doing. And then the third is they start opening up to change. And so we, we all want something better if we can have something better, right? And so like, man, if I'm looking at their life and it does look better overall, like they're not even getting trashed every weekend. Like they're just hanging out with their Christian friends. Like they're not doing anything that I told was fun about being in Lubbock. They're not doing hardly any of those things. And yet they're having a blast, like, 
man, I'm open to change now. I want to do this. I talked to, to someone um, earlier this afternoon, um, one of their, someone close to them is now going to Redeemer. I think just over time saw like, yeah, like that's, that's, where, that's where the joy is. Like that's, that's where it's at. Um, I'm not, in, not in comparison to our ministry, but was kind of avoiding being involved with the church and avoiding like following Christ and engaging with the Lord. And, and over time, I think that's what happened. Open up to change. And then threshold four, seeking after God. They're open to change. They start, okay, well, that's where they found their joy is in God. That's where, that's where their path was. That's how they're having the life that they have. And so they're gonna seek after God. They're gonna maybe start asking questions. I've been reading in Leviticus. God bless you if that's where they started. Let's go over to the gospel of John, right? That's what you tell them. I'm just joking. They start in Leviticus, go for it. Let's, let's talk about Leviticus. But they're, they're reading scripture. Didn't allow me to just cringe. That's hilarious. Um, and... Uh, they're, they're seeking after God. They're asking you questions. They're probably wanting to start coming to Tuesday night gathering or Sunday or at least asking about other churches, whatever it may be. And then the last is they enter the kingdom. Those are the five thresholds that enter the kingdom. Again, not something I came up with. I wished I did, but I didn't. So guys that literally took the stories of people who went from a skeptic to believing in the gospel. All right. I'm gonna move this to the side real quick. I'm gonna drop something out. Nope. Okay. So those are the five thresholds. Did you notice the first one is trusting a Christian, right? So what they, that, that means is that they can assume that the predominant perspective of people who do not believe in Christianity and seem turned off towards it, their first barrier is that they do not trust a Christian. So many people don't trust you and me, Okay. That's the reality. They don't trust us. They may talk with us, but they think there's something off. It's something weird that we have an agenda that we're deceived. I want to show you something. In the book, Meet Generation Z, which is all of your generation, Understanding and Reaching the New Post-Christian World, James Emery Wright did some research. He discovered that if you were to look at this spectrum of from no relationship with Christ to believing in Christ, that in the 1960s era, people, even those who were not church, even those who weren't believers, believed that Jesus was indeed the, the Christ, that like, hey, if Jesus was, was God. They believed that the Bible was reliable. They, let me just make sure I, I get all these things, it's worth noting. Page 108. Oh, I had it marked already. Look at that. So an acceptance of the deity of Christ, a belief that truth exists and that the Bible is trust, a belief that truth exists. That's crazy. That's not the predominant worldview anymore. A positive image of the church and its leaders. Again, 1960s. Isn't that crazy? A positive image of church leaders. Have y'all seen news about Southern Baptist pastors in the past three years? We lost it. We don't have that not from non-church people. A church background and experience that were relatively healthy. A foundational knowledge of the essential truths of the Christian faith. They kind of knew, like they knew the story of David and Goliath. They knew that. A built-in sense of guilt or conviction that kicked in when they violated the basic tenets of the Judeo-Christian value system. In other words, 
a built-in thing within them, like if they violated what would be basic morality that we have, something would click like, okay, there's something wrong I'm doing. That was 1960. So get this. This is utilizing data, trying to give you some pictures, uh, using, um, yeah, just using a scientific method to try to help you understand these things. And so here is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In the 1960s, even mo- most unbelievers started here. That's only two, two jumps to, to being a believer, professing faith in Christ. And so that's why in the 1960s, and, and what's still kind of lingering here today, you can see it in our church and Southern Baptist churches, is that we think, hey, want to reach people for Christ? Let's throw an event. Let's just do an event. Let's get homeboy on a mic. I'm homeboy, I guess. Somebody's homeboy. And he's going to preach the gospel for five to ten minutes. And we should expect people to believe in the gospel. We're going to do Sunday school this way. We're going to do this this way. We're just going to do fun things and talk about Jesus just a little bit. And people are going to come in droves. And guess what? In the 1960s, they were right. This actually happened because people were only starting here. The author often jokes that if he was uh, evangelizing back in the 1960s, he could tweet people to Jesus. He said it would be that easy. They were so close already, you had to just address a few things. That's what Billy Graham's crusades were just so huge. I'm, not, I'm complimenting his ministry. It's amazing the time that he lived in. But all you had to do was just a small little bump and then bam, for many people, they were just on the edge. Do you wanna know where the average person in your generation is today? who doesn't believe in Jesus. Remember all those things? That's in the 1960s. Someone your age is an eight. You know where they are today? They're three. Hey, let's throw an evangelistic event for them. Why is no one coming to Christ? They must have done the presentation wrong. No. In the 1960s, it was a bump. In 2021, in 2021, it is, a, it is a weighty 2,000 pound sled push grind where I have other brothers and sisters come along and we're pushing against the darkness slowly and surely. We're coming into the messiness of what our world has come to and it's not easy anymore and it never should have been. The 1960s was an anomaly in church history because throughout most of church history, where the gospel has invaded and infiltrated and transformed beautifully all, the, all these cultures, they've started even farther back before. We should be grateful that we get a three. We should be grateful. So that's why during Welcome Week, I didn't tell anyone, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna do this huge event at church and we're gonna watch people come to Christ. Because I knew we were here. We're not there. A hot dog and a hamburger is not gonna get them to come to Jesus. The hamburgers were pretty good, but not that good, right? Like they maybe got up to here, but not, not all the way. Just joking. So you have to be mindful of this. This is why I don't always tell you. I encourage you to think it's good. I don't always tell you. Invite all your unbelieving friends to Tuesday night gathering because I know most of them. Again, this is not me. This is guys who know what they're talking about. They literally turn all these stories of people into data for us to, to learn from. They're not there. They're not there. So many of you, you're gonna have to do everything we're talking about, share the gospel. You're gonna have to be patient. 
you're actually going to have to, you're gonna have, to have the grind and pray for them. And over a long period of time, man, I think that Caitlin and I, when we were overseas in a similar culture, I think we were somewhere in here, even behind the three. And I can't even count the amount of people we shared the gospel with. I mean, oh, total, I mean, thousands. I don't even know. To be fair, it was our, our, literally our main task was to share the gospel. So I'm not bragging. Like there were people that shared way more than we did. Thousands. And we only saw maybe like 10 people come to Christ in two years. It's because everyone we met was basically starting right here. It was a grind of having them over to our house and having coffee or, or tea with them and eating noodles and dishes of food we didn't like, you know, just to be able to have another hour with them to talk. And lo, little by little, we pushed them. They started trusting a Christian. They started becoming curious. Oh, man, they're like, huh, I'm, I may be willing to change my life a little bit, even though my parents tell me I'm stupid if I become a Christian or I'm wasting my life. And then, bam, I'm gonna start seeking God. And then all of a sudden, bam, they come over to our house one day and they said, hey, I'm ready to believe in Jesus. I don't know about you, but there's something inside of me where I can just see, see it clearly that it fires me up. Because then I'm like, okay, I know what we need to do. I know where we are. I know it's gonna take hard work. I'm not deceived anymore. I don't think that all of us are, I know where we are. And so I'm, I'm ready. I don't know if you're like that, but that fires me up. Thank you, God, for helping men and women discover these truths so we can know exactly where we are. And we're gonna zero in right there. Drew, I'm facing you, baby. Bam, got him. <laughs> he caught it. He's such a stud. Anyway, I know where the target is. We're gonna shoot for there. Amen? Let's break for 10 minutes. We'll come back. It's three circles time. All right. All right. Hey, we're going to get started. Can I get two to three people to help me disperse these blank pieces of paper uh, through uh, all the t- to all the tables? Um, just kind of divide that up. So maybe about that thick or so for each table. Thanks. I'll just let y'all divide it from there. Thanks, guys. What's every table? I'm going to let them kind of start passing that out. Just a, a decently thick stack per table. Um, so maybe, maybe about two to three pages per person. All right, if you guys can... Um, I'm going to go ahead and get started because we need to be really, really be really dialed in. I want us to be done by four. This is a very practical part of the, the training today. Hey, again, can I, can I get all eyes up here? So if what I've said, excellent, what I've said, I've repeated from the data in here and that most people your age that do not believe in Jesus are at a three, just so to let you kind of inside the thinking of the journey team and how we process that information. That means when we think about reaching the unreached, we're not aiming the bow and arrow at the eight. We do some fun events, but if the purpose is specifically for, an, for something we do to reach people for Jesus, we're thinking about it through the lens of someone that's here. Does that make sense? And so just a little inside information. Why does the journey do that? Because it's not where our target is, or why don't we do more of this? Because it's not what our target is. It's not what we're trying to hit. Most, uh, so I'm not thinking of any ministry here, but most ministries and churches are still aiming at the eight when that's not where anyone is. That's maybe 
10% max, depending on what culture you're in, of people, uh, of unbelievers. 90% at least um, are at that three. Does that make sense? Cool, I just wanted to process that again. That's what we're about. That's how we kind of think about things. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show a video here in just a second. Um, and by me, I mean TJ up there. I'll give it up for TJ. He's been running sound and stuff. And this is called the three circles training. And so you don't need to write anything down. And I'm literally gonna have to drag this back over in just a minute so we can do this uh, training together. You have those blank pieces of paper. Um, you're gonna be writing the circle several times. So maybe try to leave enough room to be able to do three circles about three times per page, twice at uh, the least. And so TJ's gonna go ahead and show this video. This is Three Circles Train. This is a way of sharing the gospel. Y'all check it out. Awesome. Watch the video again and then do it again. No, we're not gonna do that. All right, so here's something you're gonna notice. Um, what is most important is that you get about 85% of the way that was organized and done right. And there's about 15% for leeway. And so I may throw in a few little different things, but it's to keep it short and simple. If you'll notice, that took him, I don't know, two minutes uh, to do. He shared the gospel. So you're, you're going out, you have a little notepad. There's an app that I can uh, introduce you to. It's called Life on Mission. If you wanna know about that app, like write it down. It's called Life on Mission. The logo is three circles. You can't miss it. I feel like I'm selling furniture. Life on Mission at lifeonmission.net. <laughs> and so what I'm gonna do is teach you how I was taught. And we're not gonna do all the circles at once. We're going to do one circle, okay? And so that gave you a preview. You probably can remember about 10 to 15% of it. Now we're gonna start attacking it like we would do a memory verse and so, or a passage, not a whole passage at once, one verse at a time. And so here's how I learned. I'm sorry, I'm left-handed. And so I don't, uh, it's just weird how I write and weird um, what position I get to stand in. And so I want all eyes up here because this is the part we're going to do. So I've just gotten in conversation with you and said, hey, can I, can I show you something um, that's, um, well, first I've asked, hey, can I pray for you? And they say, yes, we kind of talk about it and, Say, so, hey, can I, um, can I show you something that I think really I think explains the world well and kind of what I believe about God? Y'all ready? One, two, three, go. So you see the world today. Um, what you're gonna notice, I think you would agree with me, is there's a lot of brokenness. Um, and, and maybe if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, I think one of the first things I think about is, is this COVID. Like, with COVID, we've seen sickness and, and we've seen death. Um, we've seen uh, war <laughs> uh, recently. They may be trade wars or wars with other countries. Uh, we see uh, sin and, and evil. We see things like uh, racism and, and corruption and politics. And we see also uh, things, we see families being torn apart with, with divorce. We see people that are de depressed and, and anxious and uh, I don't wanna go on much longer, but I think you see this too. Like we have a very, very broken world. Stop. Now, I'm gonna give you literally like one minute max for someone in your group to do that and draw it on your blank piece of paper, what I just did. Only the brokenness part. 
Okay, three, two, one. All right. Okay, we're done. I know it seems like a rust, but this is because we got to get, we got to learn this in little bits and pieces. Okay, so I'm going to start over. I've gotten the conversation. Ask so I can pray. Hey, can I show you how the world is? We're going to start over. I'm going to add a little bit more. Okay, so as, as you can probably see in the world today, there's a lot of brokenness um, around us. I think of, I think of sickness. I think of, of COVID. I think of um, even in my own family, uh, like my parents have had um, divorce. I think about uh, corruption and, and, and politics. I think of uh, sins in our, in our day. We, we see um, sex trafficking. Wow, there's just so, so many heavy things I could, I could go on and on about. I think you'd agree. Maybe you've experienced some brokenness in your life. And so the thing is, is when we experience brokenness, um, what we try to do um, is we try to, to get out of that brokenness, um, sometimes by focusing on um, school, you know? Uh, sometimes it's just like, man, I'm gonna go in on all my, my grades. To get out of that brokenness, to try to get out of that cycle, we're gonna focus on um, our career um, or maybe money and, and, and possessions. Um, a lot of college students, right, you kind of maybe, we're gonna focus on uh, relationships and, and trying to find someone to date, trying to get that ring by spring, right, ladies? Um, we, we try to focus on so many things to basically distract ourselves from the broken world. And so that's why some people are also um, on, on drugs. That's why some people are addicted to gaming, anything to kind of escape the heaviness and reality of the broken world that we're in. Stop. Do that all from the beginning. Someone in your group, I'll give you a minute and a half this time. Three, two, one, go. All right, stop. Y'all picking up on it? Stay focused, this is important. I'm, I'm veering off a little bit from how he does it because I was taught um, in a specific way that they do it. Um, Actually, like in North Texas, Dallas area, and I think it's maybe a little bit more, a little bit better. Three, two, one, go. So I've gotten into the conversation. I've asked to pray. Hey, um, I think you can probably tell um, that our world um, is 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 broken in a sense of, and there's a lot of there's a lot of suffering, right? There's um, we've seen in the, in the COVID pandemic those things. We see families that are struggling. We we see. Um, divorce. Um, we see uh, war and, and poverty. We see an injustice, people looking at people in, in different ways and hateful ways because it's the color of their skin. You could probably give me some examples too, but I think you'd agree. We, we have a world that's, that's broken and um, maybe you relate to this like me. I, instead of wanting to focus on all that brokenness, sometimes I just want to focus on, you know, my, my job or, or being successful or um, you know, being, and this doesn't relate to you guys, but like being, being a good dad and so focusing on my, my family um, and, and finding joy in those things. And sometimes it's, it's, it's money or, or just other relationships. And, and really, if I, those don't work to kind of drown out some of the things, like I'll, I'll turn to, you know, um, addiction to, to, to drugs or maybe even like, like gaming, kind of just to escape this reality that I don't enjoy. And, and so I think you probably resonate with some of that, but can I tell you some good news? You know, originally, um, God actually created the world 
Very unlike the way the world is today. There was, there was peace in the world. There was no uh, suffering or, or sin or, or, or brokenness. And um, it, was, it was perfect. And, and God's people were in perfect harmony with him. And the way that that brokenness is caused and separated us from God and his design has been through something called sin. My sin and your sin. Stop. I'll give you a minute and a half to do that again. Three, two, one, go. But raise of hand, how many of you are able to still track with it? Y'all will stay with it? Keep at least the majority of the information? You good? Okay. By the way, this style of learning is how they trained Christians in the rapid church planting movements that were experienced in East Asia where they went from just several hundred to several million just a matter of years. This is the style of training that they used. Little small things, repeat it. Be taught, teach it to someone else. I'm gonna time myself, which is always a bad sign. Um, And we're gonna start over. Y'all catching on the pattern? Three, two, one. I'm like, pick up the thing first. Wait, wait for it. Go. You probably agree with me that our world is full of brokenness. Um, we see things such as like divorce and families. We see um, suicide and mental illness. Um, we see like corruption in politics. We see injustice around us. And um, you probably have specific brokenness that you face. But one of the things that I do, I think sometimes that we're tempted to do um, is instead of focusing on the brokenness, we focus on you know, our job or, or our families or maybe certain relationships that, that we're in. And when those don't satisfy, sometimes we'll turn to, 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 to drugs or, or alcohol or, or get addicted to various things. I know some people turn to, to gaming to try to escape the reality that we're in. And so I don't know if you knew this, but the way that the world is now and how a lot of us function, that wasn't how God originally created it. And see, God's design um, was beautiful. Um, It was, forgive my handwriting, it was perfect. There was no suffering or any of those things. There was no suicide, corruption, injustice. It was a perfect world in which man lived in harmony with God and each other. But the thing that created all that brokenness is something called sin. And the sad thing is, is that all these things that you try to do to escape the brokenness, they don't address sin. Sin is the biggest problem. And that's where, maybe you've heard of him, his name is Jesus. That's where Jesus comes in. He comes in to do something about our problem called sin. Stop. I did it in one minute, 39 seconds. I'll give you one, I'll give you two minutes. Three, two, one, Raise your hand if your table's done real quick, just for me. Okay. Give me 10 seconds. All right, we're about 75% done. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. All right, all eyes on. Three, two, one, go. I think you probably agree with me that in our world we find brokenness. Uh, man, we, we, we've seen like COVID, it's been making people really sick and killing people. We see divorce and, 
and families. We see injustice in our political system, in our, in our world, and we see hatred and polarization, uh, hatred that people have for each other. And, and so one of the things we like to do to try to escape that brokenness is to focus on things that are easier to focus on, such as you know, our job and, and having success and and uh, money, or maybe you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and when those things ultimately don't, those things become broken too, right? And so what we end up doing is uh, maybe turning to to drugs or alcohol, um, partying or whatever, just to kind of forget a lot of the hard stuff that we have to deal with. Sometimes we're um, addicted to to various things. It's just like um, gaming or whatever. Maybe it's even even sex. And so. Um, well, the hard part about that is all these things that we find ourselves doing to escape the brokenness, we didn't used to have to do that when God originally created the world. And so God's original design for the world uh, was one that was uh, beautiful. It was perfect. Uh, no sin or suffering. Um, and none of those things that we talked about over, over there. But the, the thing that got us there, that got the world so broken is something called sin, and so what you'll notice is that we think all, oops, we think all of these things will take care of the brokenness, but we don't address our sin. And so what do we do about this? That's where someone comes in and his name is Jesus. Jesus came down to us into the world to actually die for our sin. You see, our sin separate us, separated us from God and unless someone makes a, a, a sacrifice for the sin that we've committed against God, we can't be forgiven. And so Jesus came down and died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead. He actually defeated sin and death for us and in hopes of defeating the brokenness that we live in. Stop. I did it in two minutes, 14 seconds. Your turn. Three, two, one, Go. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. Eyes up. Three, two, one. Go. What's evident in our world today that we do see a lot of brokenness. We see um, death and, and, and suffering. Um, COVID. We see families getting divorced. We see injustice in our political system and hatred of, of um, political people are hating each other and polarization and all those things. Um, and one of the things that we like to do to escape that brokenness is instead of focusing on that, we wanna focus on our, our job or our, our family. We're, we wanna focus on um, money and, and uh, maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend. Um, and, and sometimes those things don't satisfy and we go into deeper stuff such as, such as drugs and get maybe addicted to things like gaming or, or even um, making our life all about sex and what partners we can have. And the thing is, all, of these, all of this brokenness that we see, thank God it wasn't really originally like that. Um, and God's original design, um, none of those things existed. There was uh, no suffering. It was um, beautiful. Um, and, and man lived in perfect harmony with God and with each other. And, and what caused all that brokenness? That's a good question you should be asking. What caused all of it is something called sin. And so when we run to all these things in our brokenness, it doesn't actually uh, satisfy or, or solve the problem of sin. And so that's why God in his amazing love sent uh, someone that you probably know, his name is 
Jesus. You see, our sin that we committed against God separates us from God and and there is a penalty for our sins to pay. There's a price to pay. And so Jesus actually came down and died the death. We know that there's death in this world. He died the death that we deserve to die, paying the price for our sins. And he rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. And so it's not enough just to look at that and see what Jesus has done. What do we need to do to escape our brokenness and actually come and benefit from what Jesus did? First, we need to turn from this brokenness. We need to turn from all those things that we try to run to and turn towards Jesus and believe in him, number two, or follow. Stop. Okay, three, two, one, go. I'll give you two minutes and 20 seconds. All right, who's all done? Raise of hand. You get done chanting? Yeah, good. Y'all are faster than me. It's very telling. <laughs> okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna finish the whole thing. All right, I'm gonna go through the entire thing. And then you're, someone on your table is gonna do the entire thing. Three, two, one, go. I think it's obvious today um, that our world is full of brokenness. Um, we see families experiencing um, divorce. We see um, death and, and sickness with, with COVID. Um, we see injustice um, everywhere. We see corruption in politics. Um, you could probably list a few things yourself, but uh, one of the things we often do to escape this brokenness and try not to think about it is we, we focus on uh, money or, or, or jobs or maybe even you know, our, our families or success and wealth. Um, some of us even um, turn to like a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And when those things don't satisfy us, sometimes we turn to things a little bit darker, such as um, drugs or alcohol and develop certain addictions, maybe even to, to like gaming or sex or whatever it may be. And one of the good things that you should know is that all this brokenness that we see, that wasn't God's original design. See, in God's design, um, everything was, was perfect. There was no suffering, uh, no sin or anything like that. And so um, what got us there? That may be a good question you're, you're asking. What got us to all this brokenness is something called sin. And so the problem is that all of these things that we like to focus on, success or whatever it may be, don't solve the problem of sin. And so God knew that. He knew we were helpless. And so he sent someone you may know his name. His name is Jesus. See, our sin separated us from God, things that you and I have done that separated us from God. And so there's a price to be paid. And Jesus came down and died on the cross for our sins, paying the, the, the price that we actually should have paid. And not only did he die, he actually rose from the dead and he defeated sin and death forever. But guess what? It's not enough to just know that. How do we respond to that? How do we get out of the brokenness? Well, first we need to turn away from that brokenness to Jesus. And then we need to believe in what he's done for us and follow him. And so after we've done that, the beautiful thing that God begins to do in our life is he actually starts conforming us and changing us to live again to according to the design that he originally created. He wants to conform us to his image. And so one of the things that happens to us is that we begin to first grow 
in our faith by reading scripture and praying and going to church and being with other Christians. And as we grow and become more like the way God created us, then we do something else. We go back out into the world to share the same thing that I just shared with you. And so a question I have for you today is, out of these three circles and all these things that I wrote down, where do you think you're at? Which, which place are you at? All right, that took me two minutes and 58 seconds. I'll give you guys three minutes, but you guys are faster than me, so probably won't need that much. Three, two, one, go. I'll leave it up here for you. Okay. All right. Who's gonna come up here and do it? There you go. All right. Jenny, Jenny. Did my voice just echo? All right, come on, let's, let's, let's cheer that. Let's go. You ready? I'm not going to do it as fast as you did. That's okay. Okay. All right, I think. Amen. There you go. There you go. Very nice. I can't spell either. I love here. it. Oh my love it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm feeling pretty insecure right now. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> That's good stuff. Family and got my back. Thank you. I love that. that. So That's good. And Jen, after you, if you get done with that and you're talking with this person, because you totally killed it. At the end of that, what we can do is we can ask them, look back at that as you've written all of it, and just say, hey, where, where are you? You know what I mean? And we wait for them to respond. Isn't that awesome? I'll give it up for her again. Good job. We're at 3.57. I want to leave you with some parting words. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. Here's the thing. What we just did in this context, to the best of our ability in a, in a very safe place, we obeyed 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Um, and actually, I've been taught this by like, someone who's really, really, really good at it. I mean, just incredible. Um, like wrote different words each time. I'm like, I can't think of that many different things of brokenness. And taught me, and what I just did is, is taught you guys and then you talked about it with each other. And I would just say for 2,000 years, the church has obeyed this. What they've been taught, they've done something about it. They've gone and utilized what they've been taught and taught it to other people for 2,000 years. I'm just gonna ask, is your generation gonna be the generation that continues that or where it ceases? I know that's a lot of weight, <laughs> but we're, we're fading a little bit away from obeying this. This method of teaching is very common in most cultures, but we just lecture a lot. That's actually how you learn. <laughs> a little bit, repeat it. A little bit, repeat it. And so 
my challenge for you um, is for you to take this this week and actually teach it first to another believer that wasn't here. Tell them about the three circles this week. And then also this week to share it with an unbeliever. So what you're basically saying is you're saying, I refuse to sit in this chair and do nothing with this information. That's what you're saying. I I refuse to do that. I will be faithful with what I've been taught and I will entrust it to others. Can Can we agree to that? Amen. We agree to that? How many of you by raise of hand, especially after doing it that many times, think that like, hey, our, this is challenging, this is new, but I, this is not hard to learn. Would y'all agree? Awesome. Most of you, I think all of you are like college educated are really close. You know what I mean? And so like, yes, this is simple. And that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. If a guy like me can understand it, you can. Um, tomorrow from two to 4 p.m., I'll be on campus, maybe some of the staff because of classes, uh, I need to look at the text that we sent to decide who's gonna be there, but I will for sure be there from two to four. And then on Thursday, from 12 to four, at least somebody that's on staff will be there. But here's the deal, Um, even as I'm saying this, you don't need any uh, us, like you don't need us to be there. Like you learn this yourself. Um, A pastor is not who taught me this. I just happen to be a pastor teaching you here this very thing, and so, This week, on Monday and Thursday, if you want to do that with us, we're gonna go out on campus tomorrow, specifically with some cards to invite people to the Tuesday night meal, but also asking, can we pray for you? The cards are kind of a bridge, so to speak, in the conversation, and then trying to utilize the three circles. Guess what? Thursday, no cards, just three circles, asking how we can pray, getting in the conversations. You know what, if you've never done this before, I'm gonna just relieve the tension now. The first time is probably gonna suck, <laughs> all right? Like, it's just gonna be like jagged. It's gonna feel unnatural. And I don't say that against you because it's like my 10th, 20th, 30th time can sometimes be bad. But you know what you're doing? Like, even the category that I used, it's gonna suck, whatever. Like, God doesn't see it that way. You know what God sees when you're doing this? He sees faithfulness. Like, the very thing that you want Jesus to be, sorry. The very thing that you want Jesus to be able to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what he sees. There's so much to the Christian life. There's so much things that are important about ministry, guys. And we, we do a lot of those things. But, but us getting this, like this is what changes the world. When disciples of Jesus will start doing this, that's what changes the world. That's what reaches the unreached. And there's not many ministries doing this because it's so hard. I'll be honest with you, it's hard. But God calls us to though. You know what's also hard? Not reaching people for Christ. It's hard to reach people for Christ. It's hard not to. And so you have to choose your heart. Life is gonna be hard. And that's what we walk, we're walking in the footsteps of Jesus. The one, I erased it, dadgummit, that sucks. <laughs> but the one who came down for us in the circle and died for our sins and suffered for us, suffered the worst thing that, that we could ever imagine was forsaken so that we'll never have to be forsaken. And so I, I'm super, super grateful that you guys came. I wanna encourage you. Some of you, this is more natural, some of it's not. Do not quit. Do not be discouraged learn from this, embrace rejection, embrace failure, because those are categories that God doesn't even see. He sees you being faithful, saying, I have a message and I'm gonna tell someone about it, amen?
So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to, I'm going to um, dismiss you really um, because it is 4.03. For anyone, like literally anyone needs to go right now, you can go ahead and go. But what I'm also gonna do um, is that if any of you have questions, I'm gonna leave my mic on, I'm gonna stay up here and we can, we can talk through those questions. It could be practical about exactly what we just learned. It could be just about discipleship in general. Your meeting time is going out this week, by the way. If you notice that in the calendar, your meeting time is not, am, am I right on that? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, so your meeting time is going out together. You don't have to read a chapter this week or anything like that. And so I'm gonna open up for questions. If you don't have a question, that's great. That means hopefully that it was very clear. Um, but if you guys need to leave, y'all can go ahead and, and go because I know it's a busy afternoon. <laughs> yeah, what's up, Rob? Hey, hold on a second. Hey, if you are leaving, I'm sorry, could you leave quietly just so we can have the questions answered? Go ahead, Rob. So, three circle deal, would you say to use that on the day of where you first meet the person? Hey, Rob, Rob asked a question. So, hey, by the way, it, it, you feel free to leave. If you're gonna leave, please leave quietly. Um, and if you're still here, um, let's be, make sure we're listening to the person's question. So, if we're gonna do, can you repeat it one more time? I'm sorry. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Your goal should be able to, to go through it when you meet them for the first time. That, that should be the goal. The reason I tell you that is because hardly everyone leans to like, oh, I'm just gonna ease into it. And three years go by and you've never shared the gospel, right? That's our, that's our tendency. And so I've been given like the wisdom from other people to say, you are going into that saying, I'm gonna tell them about this the first time. And sometimes it doesn't happen, but that's your goal. You don't push it. You don't be a jerk about it. If they're walking away, don't go chase them down with a lasso and rope them back in, you know what I mean? But yeah, that's your goal. Especially though, if you get to coffee or whatever lunch, do it then. Yeah, helpful. Somebody else, any questions? Thank you for listening. We hope that this has been a valuable tool for you in discipleship. Stay tuned for future episodes in this topic. We hope you have a great week.